everyone, and welcome to episode 85 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me, as usual, is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. Join us this week as we channel surf to watch cute cats playing pinball. How you doing today, Brett? Yeah, how could you not? It seems like the only reason you're on watching TV or anything. <laughs> and so we'll get to the TV portion of the program later, but first things first, there's a big news story when it comes to Apple, and it turns out that Bloomberg is reporting that there's essentially this Chinese hack on Apple servers. It's also affecting Amazon as well, and the company is called Supermicro Computer Inc., and they have these little chipsets embedded into Apple servers that let them essentially report back or phone home to China. And really, that's definitely concerning in its own right. But the more interesting story is that Apple and Amazon have come out to vehemently deny any of this. They have no idea where this report comes from. They've double, triple checked everything and they don't even know. And now the Department of Homeland Security is trying to get involved and they are confirming what Apple said. But Bla Bloomberg isn't, you know, backtracking on the report. They're going full steam ahead that they're backing at 100%. And so now it comes down to who do you believe in which kind of comes into our whole current landscape of news versus the people who don't want certain news items out. Right. Yeah. I mean, this was it's a really interesting thing because I guess it, there's this company named Elemental that uh, Amazon purchased and they made these servers that that Amazon and Apple and all these other companies are using. But then I guess this super microcomputer Inc is they use some contractor out of China to help make the motherboards. And that's where this little microchip got added to this motherboard. And supposedly it was pre-programmed to then, it knows about some anonymous computers that it would then contact, con reach those computers, load this malicious software onto these servers that then would do whatever they had decided they wanted to do. And how it's actually getting out and talking inside outside of these server farms or wherever they're they're embedded these these servers i don't understand that whole technical part of it but yeah it's really interesting because both apple and amazon have vehemently denied this happening and now bloomberg is saying no no it definitely happened who's telling the truth here and exactly how is this all work or like how do you not catch this or make sure that something like this doesn't happen in the future seeing as china makes a heck of a lot of the computers and servers and things that we use even in u.s companies yeah and then not only that the bloomberg report itself says that china's long-term goal of this was to access high corp high value corporate secrets and sensitive government networks and not even access consumer data so this is a whole different kind of ploy or program but then like you mentioned the elemental servers that they're not even designed to be exposed to the public internet so if you are not reaching that point i don't know how you even phone home back to china so there's some really weird interesting tidbits and the first kind of denial that Apple posted, it was kind of generic Apple PR. Since then, the top executives are coming out to, again, deny 
even any knowledge that this could possibly happen. Not that, you know, not even at the low level, we don't know what's going on. We know for sure this didn't happen. You know, it's a whole different kind of putting your foot down denial. Yeah, and which seems kind of weird. I mean, I know why they're doing it. Obviously, the stock's going to tank if this is accurate, or at least take a hit if it's accurate. But this kind of thing, you can foresee it happening. I mean, it is the type of thing. It's not implausible that something like this could ever happen. I mean, granted, most hacks are software-based, or they use uh, social engineering to, to trick information and get it onto the hardware. But for the hardware itself to make it into these companies and into their networks, and they willingly, like, brought this in, they... and not like for that scale that happened is crazy like i i don't know this is this has huge ramifications i mean like you said it's not even the consumers that are after these servers apparently are in government facilities they are in companies and everything so if you think of how widespread these servers are or if this is just the the tip of the iceberg if other products are affected or other uh, other companies were hacked to allow these microchips into their servers as well. Who knows where this could go and like how widespread this could be an issue and what other companies are going to come out as having this happen to them if it all ends up being true. Yeah, there's potentially thousands of compromised servers out there. And if it's true, I'm sure they'll be able to be identified down the road. You know, you'll have security experts that can find any of that malicious traffic, but you'd think that Apple and Amazon and the like are already monitoring for that, so they should have found it already. So it's not like Bloomberg is this tiny little, like, internet-only blog or something. This is a big, <laughs> reputable source that's saying this, and I understand whoever's wrong is going to take a big hit in credibility, whether it's Apple and Amazon you know, think of how many different companies use Amazon servers for their backend. It's like half the internet. You know, when Amazon has a problem, yeah. you can't access like half the internet. So this is a really big deal for a bunch of companies. And then if Bloomberg is actually wrong, there no one's ever going to trust a story pretty much for a few years at least, especially when it comes to technology. So it's a it's a big deal going forward. But the ramifications, if this story is true, is much more important than Bloomberg never being trusted again. You know, if what they're saying is true is much dire than them not ever being trusted again. Oh, right, right. I mean, we have a lot bigger concerns yeah. <laughs> than credibility at this point. Someone needs to find out if this is true or if these companies are just covering their butts and trying to brush this under and, like make it really quietly go away i mean obviously they're now on the lookout for this type of thing no matter what even if the story is only half true or maybe it's part there's some part of it that's true but it's not as as bad as we think or maybe it was like one server or a couple of servers in these in like it was someone local that did it who knows but if it did happen at the manufacturing site, then this is major problems because, yeah, it's servers today, but who's to say it's not iPhones next or iPads or some other device that's now going to be in every single consumer's home and now they have access into everything on your network and then out from there. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping this isn't true. <laughs> I'm hoping that something was was lost in translation and... 
it's not quite accurate, but this could be major. Yeah, and I'm I'm hopeful it isn't exactly right. I'm sure there's half truths on both sides, but it makes you wonder. You know, all the sources are unnamed as they should be to protect the integrity of the source, but it's going to be fully corroborated eventually as true or false, no matter what it is that's finally going to come forward. But who would be the source? I mean, if Apple was knowledgeable of this, who's going to come forward and tell any what? You know, we had that whole discussion about people getting jail time over leaking parts of the iPhone. This, I've, I got to imagine, is much worse than revealing what the iPhone XS is going to look like. Well, see, my guess is it's not someone at Apple. It's not necessarily someone at Amazon because these servers are in lots of locations. My guess is it someone else found this in some other company or maybe in Amazon, maybe some person because it is an Amazon product, supposedly, that this end up on that someone there found it and reported it. And then they started to see who else was getting these servers and maybe that's how they found out that apple probably has these servers as well and and whatever other companies are affected so it's not necessarily coming right out of apple this time around i think it could be someone else and then now they're just tying it over to apple as another possible affected uh location yeah that's the one question mark for the story itself for me is that the title and every point just coincidentally enough, targets the two companies that just topped a trillion dollars. Think of how many companies are out there. You're going to just focus on Apple and Amazon. It sounds kind of clickbaity just in that idea or the biggest ultimate scare tactic. You know, if it's smaller companies, you don't really care. But, oh, look, it's Apple and Amazon. So, I mean, again, I'm sure there's half-truths all around. But whatever that full truth is, is definitely a dangerous possibility. Right, and I don't know that we're ever going to find out the full, full truth, but we never uh, do. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, it, it it gets dealt with, and it's not an issue going forward. But I don't know that we'll ever know for certain. Right, and so again, Apple's denying it. Amazon's denying it. Bloomberg is a hundred percent standing by it. I don't know if anybody's going to budge on that, but I'm sure more is going to come of this story. And when it does, we'll be sure to talk about it then. Yep. And then Apple did release iOS 12.0.1. There's no hacking or anything involved in that. It's essentially <laughs> just some nice cleanups for the iPhone XS, mainly. It fixes an issue where some XSs didn't immediately charge when you plugged them in, others that couldn't rejoin Wi-Fi networks, but no word on fixing LTE. So I'm guessing that's coming in 12.1, though if I'm Apple, I would have tried to push it out with this .0.1 if I have it you know, this build already planned. Right, yeah, that was kind of weird that they didn't push that. One thing that I was really happy to see is on the iPad, they finally flipped back the little button that lets you switch between the emoji or whatever other keyboards you have installed and the button that switches you to numerical keyboard instead of the alphabetical keyboard. Uh, those two buttons, they flip-flopped them for some reason when iOS 12 came out, and now they finally flipped them back. So now my fingers are not going to keep on accidentally loading up the emoji keyboard when I go to try to switch to numbers, but just out of feel. So Although I've kind of gotten used to it now, so now I'm probably going to mess it up in the opposite direction <laughs> until I get used to it again. But I'm happy to see it flip back. I don't know why they flipped it. It didn't make sense. 
because it's been the other way all along, and so I'm glad to see that was in there. Yeah, just quick little fixes, and again, 12.1 is coming. That's going to be the larger update, including the depth effect for the 10s and the new emojis, and just bigger changes more than bug fixes, though we're still waiting on those couple big fixes for the 10s. Yep. And so that's pretty much the Apple news, and that means it's time for apps, and... New apps are harder to come by, so this is more of a discussion of app services that are really growing, and it's a really interesting market, and it kind of ties into Apple because we've heard of rumored Apple's TV initiative, and so they're stepping into a very competitive market, and I've been trying the play, uh, PlayStation View as well as Fubo TV free trials, you know, to watch mainly the sports options to see if cord cutting is option if you're not a sports fan cord cutting is super easy but if you are it's a lot tougher of a road to find the alternatives that actually show what you want and both apps are really well designed super easy to use on the apple tv or your ipad but that's not really the question the question is how are these services doing are they an alternative that's going to be lasting and how's the market as a whole going to work out and so we both got into looking into that and it turns out that Sling TV currently is the most popular service around for these live TV alternatives or cable alternatives. And so it has about 2.3 million subscribers. DirecTV Now has 1.8 million. And then Hulu's live TV portion has nearly a million. And then we have PlayStation View and YouTube TV. They're both down around 600,000. And then Fubo's down at around 300,000. So... I don't know what's going to happen going forward because I can't imagine this many options are going to stay able to compete. You know, some are going to fall by the wayside and these numbers kind of point towards that. Right. And and part of our discussion came because I started seeing articles about PlayStation views, readership, I mean, viewership. Uh, dropping and so and even YouTube is still I think they're still losing money on this as well they still haven't climbed to where they I think they hope they had and I have my own opinions of why maybe they haven't hit the numbers they thought they would but there are two almost too many of these and even like a lot of people aren't ready to switch and you, you and I had a discussion before we started recording where it may not even be cost-effective for people to switch to these services compared to what they're paying for cable. Because once you start to add in all of the costs of internet and everything else, it really doesn't start to save you money. And you may not even be getting all the channels you're currently getting with your, with your cable package. So, I, I don't know. It's kind of still a hard sell. And... Not every single one of these is going to have every network you want or every live TV channel you want. For me, YouTube TV looks like the most uh, complete package to me just because it has all of my live net, uh, network TV networks. The only things it's missing are really dis any of the Discovery Channels, which used to be like the Scripps networks, which are like HGTV, Discovery Channel, and all of those networks. For some reason, they still haven't come up with a deal for those. So people are all the on these cord cutting sites. People subscribe to YouTube TV, but then they also subscribe to Philo for another fifteen bucks a month to get those channels. So none of these seems to be an exact perfect solution because everyone has certain channels they're looking for and they're not in there. So Apple is looking to this market, but it's already a very crowded market. Like we listed one, eight different 
companies already in this market that are all competing for the same pool of people. And, you know, the future we were promised was this a la carte idea where I only watch five stations all the time, so I'm just going to select those out. No, they're all bundles. Every single one of the options we listed are new bundles. So essentially you're changing who you pay money to. Instead of paying Comcast or Spectrum, you're now paying Sling or DirecTV. It's the same idea. You still have this set of channels, but usually it's a lot less channels. But there's the supposed convenience or the superiority over others that I was smart enough to cancel my cable and now I'm paying, you know, Sling $50 a month instead of Spectrum $80 a month or whatever the case. But the difference is that a lot of these traditional services include internet. Right now, about 87 million people still subscribe to traditional cable services in the U.S. And a lot of them bundle your internet plus your TV. And you know that all of these streaming services, they need internet. So you're going to have to pay for internet regardless. And so if internet is 50 or 60 bucks, and then you have to pay 40 or 50 bucks for one of these services, are you really coming out ahead? Or is it pretty much the same? You're just shifting money around. And that's kind of where they've kind of stumbled, at least for me, in that future of TV that we were promised. Right, and you're never going to get the a la carte that everyone wanted because there's certain networks that cost more money than other networks and they always kind of offset those costs by bundling things. Cable companies have done this for years and now all of these alternate service companies are going to have to do the same thing. They're not going to make a deal with a company to be able to offer you a, a certain channel for like a buck. And so otherwise... You, I mean, even when you start adding all the channels you want together, even if you were paying $1 to $5 per channel, it's still going to add all up. Even if you just want five channels, for those five channels, it's still going to cost you a bunch of money. The only place where I can foresee you saving money over cable is... I don't think a single user is going to save that, is gonna save that much comparing the two. It's... The people that have the four or five DVRs in all the different rooms, that's where you might start to save money because a lot of these services offer these cloud DVR services where it's all out in the cloud and you can have up to X number of members and you all can access all your stuff in the cloud. That's the only thing I can see that maybe you could save money, but even Comcast has started to offer a similar service. So... I think the cable companies are starting to wise up and they're seeing what maybe they might be a draw for the these alternate companies and then kind of figure out how they can do it. I have a TiVo and with that, I just pay for the normal, well, I did the lifetime, so I own the box and then I can buy these little cheap little boxes and hook them to all my other TVs and they just use the other TiVo for everything. So I'm not paying a per TV fee like you would with cable or some of these other, uh, or the satellite services where you have to buy all the boxes for all the TVs. And I, I mean, I really think that's the only way that these other companies are going to really get people in. Because if you start to do the math, like you said, it just really starts adding up quickly once you have to pay for that internet. And even your internet service provider could start charging you if you go overage or how much data you're using. So they could limit how much streaming you're going to be able to even do once you start subscribing separately with these uh, services as well. And then it comes back to what if you want to watch shows on Netflix or you know the originals on Hulu or Amazon Prime? And that's a whole 
bonus fee on top of what you're already paying because all these live stations they're not going to include that and the more live pro or the more original content these companies push out the tougher that also makes it so it's a this whole balancing act and just to put these numbers in perspective the number one of these live tv alternatives is 2.38 million people and that's sling tv netflix has 56 million subscribers so it's not even in the same ballpark. It's a completely different comparison. It's not even apples and oranges. It's like steak and oranges. It's completely different <laughs> items. They're not both even fruits. And so then Netflix is at 56 million. Hulu standalone or traditional like $10 service, they are at about 20 million. So Netflix is above and beyond them. But Hulu themselves, they have a live TV alternative. So they have 20 million people in their normal setup and then 1 million people in this live TV setup. So it's a whole different even perspective within the same company of which market you're going to cater to and care about and push customer service towards. I understand that the 1 million people are paying $40 versus $10, but even the revenue they generate is going to be way imbalanced as well. Right. I'm sure if you're Hulu, you're looking of trying to find ways to convert those people on your traditional like on-demand service that you've had forever and get them over to this live TV service because it's like if you want to include both, it's like a dollar difference once you're paying for the live TV service. So I, I'm sure they're trying to find a way to convert those users. Then you have uh, companies like Apple, which are planning on doing something like this. Where are they going to go into this? Like, are they going to try to capture this market? Are they going to bundle it with their Apple Music and try to convert those 50 million people to spend more and do TV through them as well? I don't. It's going to be interesting to see how the like even i bet even five years down or two two to five years down the line this whole lineup we're not even going to see half of these companies around anymore there's probably going to be new companies that try to bring more items in rather than just tv they bundle other services in as well to try to like hook you in for their go to get everything in one place kind of setup and i bet this whole landscape looks very different in two to five years and then there's amazon you know we talked about them from the outset they have 85 million prime subscribers of that about 26 million uh, subscribe to amazon prime video so 26 million is just ahead of hulu's on-demand content but it's less than half of netflix's content but amazon they have some good shows hulu has some good shows netflix has a ton of good shows but Amazon's having a tough time kind of getting all their Prime subscribers on board to video. And then how many people, none of these companies tell us how many people are watching any of the original content that they're coming out with. You know, we have a established Nielsen system for live TV on traditional subscribers, but online it's kind of iffy at best. Like there's versions out there that try to guess at stuff. Like for live TV, sporting events, this many people turned in, but they haven't ever had a kind of comparison for streaming shows because you can watch them. You know, I can watch the first season of Stranger Things today. Netflix doesn't really care that I just started watching Stranger Things if they released it like two or three years ago, but it essentially helps them. But it's a whole weird numbers game, and it makes it interesting to see do people care more about specific shows or specific stations and. Then that comes down to 
all the companies we've talked about are broadcasters. Well, what about the actual content creators? That kind of ties into what Netflix is doing. But really, the big one is Disney's creating their own service. They're telling Netflix, we're taking our Marvel movies and our Star Wars movies and, of course, all our Disney movies. They're going to be on our own service. And that includes all of the potential things that Disney can do, which includes ESPN as a channel lineup. And so maybe they change all deals with that. When are the actual content producers going to just take all their stuff and create their own services just like Disney's doing? And then that changes the landscape yet again. Right. And you have DC Universe coming where they're going to have all their own original content, too. And they're bundling that with comics and everything else. And so, yeah, I mean, how many of these can you... (laughs) really subscribe to like it's going to become so fragmented at some point where it's going to be worse than cable was and no one's going to want to do any of this so and i think that's why they've actually started to see originally netflix caused like a, a a drop in piracy of stuff and once they started having a lot of the original content, but now there's actually, that's starting to creep back up. I was just reading an article today that said piracy levels are starting to creep back up because you have this content that so many different things you have to subscribe to where everyone has their own, their own content. Hulu has their own. Netflix has their own. Amazon has their own. And all these shows, these are the shows that are winning all of the 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 awards and getting all the nominations, all of this like paid TV content. And then you have like, people just can't afford to pay for all these different services. So now they're trying to steal them again. And so I, and then there's just people outside of the U S that want to access this content and they don't have distribution rights necessarily in other countries yet. And so it's this whole crazy thing of the, yeah, how do they keep track of the number of people that are viewing this thing to pay the people that made the content, but then how do they also make sure that people want to continue to pay all these different monthly fees for all these different services to subscribe to all this content rather than stealing it. It's just become this huge mess that you'd almost wish there were fewer companies just kind of merging and then having a single subscription service, which, hey, that was cable. (laughs) And rather than having to pay all these different companies for every little bit and piece. So we asked for this a la carte deal, but do we really want it now that we have it when we see that it's going to cost us way more money in the end? Yeah, it's going to come full circle eventually, I have to imagine. Like, when you mentioned Emmys, if you want to watch Handmaid's Tale, you need to subscribe to Hulu. If then you want to watch Marvelous Miss Maisel, well, now you need Amazon Prime. Say you want to watch Game of Thrones and Westworld. Oh, well, that's HBO. Now I want to go watch the Marvel shows and Stranger Things. That's Netflix. That's four subscription services that don't include any live TV whatsoever. If you're a sports fan, that's an extra added cost on top of any live TV stations that aren't going to offer any of the shows that I just mentioned. So how many services are you going to start to rack up? Yeah, it's just the the amount of money you're going to spend per month is absolutely insane. It just starts to climb and climb and climb. Although I have seen that now uh, Comcast offers certain bundles where you get a Netflix subscription built in. So they're even starting to like kind of group up with these with these other companies, knowing that this might be another service that maybe people would stay with with cable if all of a sudden we can give them this Netflix that they want to go and watch that content. And granted, it's all separate content from us. It's nothing we would ever show 
on our services. So they're really not competing directly with us. It's like a separate load of content that now we can offer, just like we would with HBO or one of these other services. So it's interesting to see that as these things break off and maybe they don't offer all of these other networks where they are a direct competitor with traditional cable, will cable start to kind of bundle these things in as add-ons as well through them to keep you with them. And that makes perfect sense because that direct competition really isn't competing. When you have Comcast and Spectrum are having like 40, 50 million people, Netflix has 50 million people, and then these live TV alternatives, we got 2 million here, 1.8 million here, a few hundred thousand over here. That's like 5 million people total across like eight different services. It's not even a comparison or a competitor. So I don't know. You know, it's tough because say one of them stood apart with that bundle idea. Say Sling TV bundles in Netflix or Hulu. I think that helps them more than, you know, Comcast bundling in because they have so many people already. True, true. That would be a draw for them to kind of rise to the top of this crowded alternate grouping. Yeah, because there's such a small niche right now. It's a tiny percentage of the overall TV watching market. Yeah. And so that that's kind of where TV stands. It stands as a big enigma where we have no clue what's going to happen going <laughs> forward. <laughs> yeah, everyone wants a piece of the pie, and then that pie is getting, those pie pieces are getting smaller and smaller, and you're going to have to go to multiple sources to get everything. Yep. And so luckily the App Store is home to all kinds of stuff on its own right, and pretty much Google Play or the App Store share a lot of the same stuff. They're only competitors in really device difference but when you're actually in there there's a lot of fun you can have and the app store has some four fun new games this week the first one is zombie rollers which is a pinball battle game mix-up where essentially you get to use the familiar pinball mechanics of flippers knocking the ball forward but instead of going after bumpers and ramps and stuff you're hitting zombies who have different objectives they might be storming towards your flippers they might try to attack a character out in the distance, whatever it is, you need to make sure you defeat them by smacking your pinball into them. And then each kind of level introduces a new area to battle in, kind of subtly new mechanics where there's special items you can trigger by hitting the pinball. And then you get to unlock new pinballs themselves. So it's not just a regular steel ball. You'll have this kind of flaming rock guy, and then you have this more of a direct kind of electricity focused attack. And then you'll even have one that can create a black hole. So you have different setups, different ideas. So all you need to do is be familiar with pinball, press left or right screen to flip the flippers, and then you get to open up all kinds of avenues of creativity and level design and challenge. Yeah, I mean, this was a perfect, like, Halloween time frame release like this what was that game called was it called monster kill where you have the the things yeah. we could draw on the, the line so sister. this kind of yeah it is and so this is like a great kind of follow-up it's not the same developer but and that's not available anymore so this is kind of like fills that niche for me that that spot that was kind of left open for there where it kind of, it it's just a different type of battling game where they 
beautifully marry those that pinball style with almost like a first-person shooter as you're just flinging these these pinballs around and knocking knocking these these zombies out and killing them and there's a lot of strategy to it a lot more than you would think because you can either go to the left or the right with depending on which of the the paddles you use and they kind of give you these aiming little arrows so you know where the ball is going to go but then if there's nothing there's no like hole in the middle that you're going to lose the ball if it sits in the middle then you can tap both flippers at the same time and it fires out straight forward which you'll often have to do that but then all of these different characters that you're using have these special abilities so there's one that, you, that i unlocked that has like this freezing ability well once you've powered that up you can draw these walls of ice and then you can at any time you can pull back the pinball so you can say i want it back i want to fire it again from from the main kind of launch pad so then you can drag and launch this pinball into like an enclosed section that you just closed off and it'll just ricochet around in there taking out all the the zombies that you kind of trapped in this little location and so it allows you to really kind of plan out moves like pinball it's always kind of like reactionary but this almost lets you plan everything out and kind of be really strategic of how you want to attack these and take out any kind of groupings of zombies. Yeah, we've seen the style before where you get to flip the pinball up and try to attack various kinds of enemies, but all of them have been kind of experimental, like relatively rudimentary, do people kind of like this style, and we haven't seen one for a few years. So zombie rollers just seems like this whole combination evolution to create this full-on game there's deluxe 3d graphics it's super ornate the game engine is really well done for the pinball physics and all of the creatures that spawn on screen and then just like you mentioned it always just came the strategy up i the one kind of disappointment is that you can't lose the ball so it never felt like there was that impending doom like a normal pinball game so that was the only kind of detractor for me. But then I see the flip side of the game is that it's a level-based adventure rather than just a high-score challenge. So you, you kind of want to just get through it and focus on those strategic shots. Right. Yeah, I think I would get... I, I do miss kind of like that always kind of on edge that you don't want to lose the ball down the center. But in order to kind of have that trade-off of you be able to really go like because otherwise hitting a straight shot especially when the zombies are like almost on top of you you really have to have the ability to hit that straight shot at times and so i i definitely understand why they did it i I don't know maybe in if like later levels it might be kind of nice to kind of introduce maybe since they are all separate levels maybe have one where you do have the chance to maybe lose the ball if if for some reason uh you want to ramp up the the difficulty as you go further down the road but uh i i do see why they did the trade-off and i do like it just from a strategy point of view but i could see where traditionalists that love pinball games would kind of miss that always tension that's usually there yeah because the game tries to then flip it with this whole health meter where the zombies can literally attack your flippers and if you get damaged enough then you lose that way so it's goes into that familiar kind of battle challenge idea so that's kind of the alternative to the traditional way to lose at pinball and it really all adds up to a really enjoyable game i mean it's completely free to download and 
you get to go level by level and this is the type of game where you'll want to go to the different levels because it changes the whole structure you know usual pinball games you have that same table you're all you get five balls or whatever you're always playing in that same table this one each table introduces a new level and a new arrangement to strategize about yep yeah yeah and and new characters that unlock that have new abilities and and things to power up and use so yeah it's it's definitely one of those type of games where you constantly are wanting to keep on playing and move forward and move forward to see what's next yep and that's zombie rollers it's free it's universal a definite standout for this week and then up next is piffle which probably would have been better if it came out a few weeks ago essentially the game comes from hipster whale you know they made him crossy road and this game we talked about hold down a few weeks ago where essentially you line up your shot and then you trigger down and you try to beat these blocks that are below you and you get to unlock additional balls so each block say the block has 10 on it you need to hit it 10 times but you might have unlocked 10 balls so you send one shot at it all the balls proceed in order and they defeat that one block piffle is the same exact mechanic but there's little cats and instead of going down you're shooting up but again if this game came out like a month ago i think we would have looked at it a lot better than it coming out today yeah i mean it is it's remarkably similar <laughs> to uh to hold down so I don't, I don't know. I don't. Maybe these two games were in development at the same time. Where Hold Down, you did have to kind of re- keep on replaying. There were limited number of levels, and you keep on replaying them, trying to get further and further down, and then eventually you'd upgrade enough that then you'd be able to make it by it and move on. Where this one is completely level-based, and it's, I would say, far more approachable and easy compared to hold down was so i mean especially just with the theme and you have these cute little cats and the art style and it's all i think there's 225 levels to start in the game and they're going to add more uh but you're just going level level and it's fairly simple like i never felt the kind of pressure i did with hold down and so i think it's um going to be sort of a different audience i think you're going to have a younger audience that are probably going to come into this one right away just drawn by the art drawn by hipster whale and just will play it i think it's unfortunate for hold down just because it's a paid app that's a 3.99 app this is free and so now and you got hipster whale name recognition on this game that i think hold down is going to end up doing just this is probably the end of their sales at this point like unless they find a way to add more content or they go free to play or something i think unfortunately their days are are numbered now that this game is out i think it's just going to be this is going to monopolize their sales yeah and i feel bad both ways because i like both developers the guys who make crossy road it's a two-man development team when they first started out they're really nice guys and then the couple small team who made rimmed capsule they made hold down so hold you know as the crossroad developers i'm sure when they saw hold down their heart must have sank a little bit like how did these guys get our idea and just happened to release it just a few weeks before we're going to but then like you said on the flip side if you're the makers of hold down your heart also has to sink that we made this four dollar game we came out a few weeks ago and now the makers of a game that's one of the most popular in the app store has our almost identical mechanic with a cuter more accessible setup so it's tough for both of them 
Right, right. Yeah, and I, I agree. I love both of these developers as well. I just, I wish there was more differences between these games to, like, really have them compete better with one another and really kind of have spots on each both like both have a spot on your device but i think it's going to end up being that just because of the free and the whole f race to free that i think it's going to be piffle that's going to win this battle between the two games and then as a player yourself if you like you know if you're kids or you like simpler games you're going to want piffle it has that super cute cat theme and the levels just seem more accessible easier to flow through and then hold down is a more challenging kind of like strategic puzzle idea in comparison. So if you're kind of trying to decide, I'm sure the free game is going to win for a lot of people. But on a pure game change, it depends if you want that easier, cute style or you want that challenging strategy style. Yep, I completely agree. And so that's Piffle. It's free. It's universal. And then continuing the cat theme is Super Cat Tales 2. Whether you played the first or not, it doesn't really matter. It's a retro-inspired platformer game with a cute little cat as the main character. The sequel's main change is they've introduced this cat companion who's this more like gritty, bully or bulkier cat who can smash through enemies. So you have the little gray cat from the first game who can climb up walls and jump further. And then you have this new tougher cat who can barrel through enemies and you can switch between them. And then that's just the outset. As you get through the levels, you're going to unlock additional cats and there's just a simple cat icon in the top left corner where you can tap and switch through your cats who are better for the new scenarios that they give and since they have these new cat styles it allows them to kind of do more with the levels to switch it up and not just be here's 40 more levels of super cat tails see to me if, even with the introduction of the new cats it still feels like it's an extension of the original game like it doesn't feel that much different and I remember I loved the first one when it came out. And for some reason, I don't know why, I'm just having trouble getting back into this for the sequel. I mean, it's pretty much feels like the same game with a few improvements, so I should love it. But I don't know, for some reason, it's just not clicking with me like it did when it first came out, the first one. I never got that into the first one. I don't know why. I think because I'm like a platform is probably my favorite genre and i've played so many of them and this one is definitely on the simpler side it's not going to be the most challenging platformer you come across part of that is just that they've purposely made it accessible where there's no even jump button on screen essentially you tap the left or right screen right side of the screen if you double tap on the right side of the screen you start running and when you reach a gap your character is going to jump automatically so main challenge of platform games is really pulling off all kinds of crazy jumps and you know landing on enemy heads all that kind of thing so it kind of removes that challenge from it but to your point i feel like part of the reason that it does feel like an extension is because the original was published by fdg and the sequel is published under the individual developer's own name so he must have just wanted to kind of get away from the publisher idea Right, right, yeah. I mean, I, that was the one thing I did find kind of frustrating with the game was that whole double-tap-to-run system because sometimes it wouldn't necessarily trigger as quickly as you wanted to, so making the jumps was almost kind of annoying. I almost wish there was a separate jump button or maybe like a, a swipe or something to allow you to jump 
on your own rather than relying on that. I understand where they tried to simplify the controls and it is kind of a speed runny type thing, but then just the addition of that new brawler cat makes it even easier to like just plow through the level. Like, because that guy can run into anyone and not actually have to avoid enemies or avoid things. He can just, you're just running and just plowing through everything and just getting to the end. You really don't have to do much, which in a platformer, you want some difficulty, some kind of a challenge where this kind of almost felt like it was like a cheat to just make it through the level easily. I, I don't know if you've kind of felt that way too. Yeah, I definitely, especially you get to the point where it feels like you have to purposefully go out of your way to not just go through the level. Like, oh, I'm going to go find those little bells on the collar, you know, those three hidden objects in the level just to kind of diversify things, change things up, and not simply just proceed through the level. Right, right. And some of those bells, it almost seemed like you needed to have, like, another cat that maybe I haven't, I haven't unlocked yet yeah, I that I'll have to come thing. back and so I, I guess they're trying to build in replayability because you will have to make it a certain distance and eventually unlock additional cats and then come back and replay those levels that you couldn't reach things in. But by the time you come back, odds are you're going to forget even where you saw that bell and then you have to remember or kind of keep an eye out for it. But I, I don't know. It, it, it's in, it's somewhat enjoyable. I think it's a, it's a little too easy uh, but I think if you play the original one, or maybe you just happen to miss the original one, maybe you just play this, this sequel because it does have these added things. If you want a little more challenge, don't use that cat that can just plow through everything <laughs> and use the other one. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it's, I, I think it's definitely worth a try. Yeah. If you like platformers, but maybe you don't want the most challenging experience, that's kind of where Super Cat Tales fits. I do wish that it was easier to switch cats, like you could double tap the screen or swipe with two fingers or do something, because that going up to the menu, you can't really do it in flow. It's like, let me stop everything that I'm doing, access a menu, and then pretty much restart with this cat from this point. Right, and if you've unlocked a bunch of cats and then you don't remember what each one's special moves are all they give you is a little icon under yeah. the dude like i wish there was a way that if you tapped and held on the cats that it gave you a little brief description of this is what this cat does again because i don't remember you show me one little icon i don't really remember what that means and like maybe i haven't used that cat in a while or i i went off and played a few other games and now i'm coming back and i'm like oh what was that cat again and so a little better description on those cats or some way to see a description like a, maybe even like a catapedia or something <laughs> that you could go in and it would describe all the different cats you've unlocked uh i don't some other additional information would be nice yep so that's super cat tales 2 it's free it's universal and so to round out the week is true surf it comes from the makers of true skate and it kind of fits in with their realistic 3d versions of kind of action sports and True Skate's a really good game. You can pull off all kinds of moves. You simply put your fingers on screen to ride it like a little tech deck, and you can pull off all kinds of crazy tricks. So with True Surf, you kind of have that expectation going in. And essentially, you tap to start on the wave, you time up with this little bar to actually get riding on the wave, and then you drag your finger up and down or left and right to kind of change the orientation of your surfer to ride the wave, try to get that barrel roll the best you can. You can even do a little turnaround. And 
I was expecting more. You know, you ride that first wave, and then you ride that 10th wave, and then you're out riding that 25th wave, and it feels exactly the same. It never seems like it develops. Like, you can unlock new locations so the waves are potentially bigger. You can unlock storm mode, where for five minutes the waves are going to be bigger. You can get new surfboards, but the gameplay is essentially the same, and that's just super disappointing because the the engine they put into place is really well done and just even starting out you know it's neat that you can choose a wave where the opening menu screen is the entire ocean and you kind of see like three waves rolling in and then you tap on the wave that you want to start at it's a neat little menu system kind of get you in the flow of surfing but you just want more from the gameplay because you, it just leaves you doing the same thing every time. Yeah, I did love how in the game you get to decide exactly where you want to start. You just have this wide open ocean, you see the waves coming in, and you just tap. And that's where your character goes. And then depending on how close you put him to an actual wave, you have to wait it out and then eventually tap again to actually start the surf. And then... The dragging I found a little awkward and sometimes didn't feel like it moved the way I thought it would, but it's exactly what you said. It just is so repetitive over and over again. You're kind of just riding these waves, but you can't really do any kind of tricks per se. You can kind of just go along. The The graphics are beautiful and then you it, like, it even changes like sunset and time of day and it uses real weather conditions. But the problem is it takes forever if you want to unlock one of those other locations without paying you have to wait it out either to level up and it, it seems to take a long long time to level up and then if you want to travel to all any of these other locations you, you're gonna to have to level up i think it was level four you had to get up to and then even just unlocking a single location for free you had to do like 500 points worth of stuff in order to unlock it so it just seemed like the unlocks, yes, it's a free game and they want you to pay some money to unlock the stuff, but just unlocking anything for free seemed to take a long time. And I, I, I True Skate was just a much better game. I loved Jet Car Stunts. That was an amazing game. This one, it just felt, I, I don't know, I've never actually surfed before, but it just felt too mellowed out and kind of slow and not as action-packed as these other games where you really kind of were drawn right in and wanted to experiment and wanted to kind of explore this this world that you're in this just felt too kind of compressed and and slow and not very exciting exactly i mean i've seen the surf competition i've seen what pro surfers are capable of and I'm not expecting an arcade game where I fly up off the wave, I do a backflip, land on the board, and get some super bonus points. But I would like to be able to do something. You know, create a little S switchback on the wave. Pretty much all you can do right now is get that barrel roll where you're actually within and you see a little like kind of bonus timer when you're actually within the barrel roll. And that's kind of the only thing that gets the judging score up in the right corner once you complete your surf. It didn't seem like you could do anything else and that's not going to hold many people's attention i like i i respect that they went for this full-on kind of trying to create this 3d stimulation with all these aspects the great weather effects and design like you mentioned but when it comes down to it 
the actual game is just super samey every single time you play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. It, that's why I was trying to unlock one of the other locations and see if anything was different. Uh, I did come in later and saw that all of a sudden, like it was like sunset, and uh, so I, I thought it was nice to have that different scenery. But uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know how long I'm going to play this one just because there's just a, not a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, they put so much time into creating all the time and the conditions and having it impact the game and that menu system is outstanding where you can tap on the different waves and the exact point that you want to be into but the entire engine they've created they stumbled on the most important aspect of any game the actual gameplay and so it's free it's universal anyone can try it but i don't know how long you're gonna be surfing with it yep so true surf and i think that's everything for episode 85 yeah uh, the only thing I, I will point out is zombie rollers is with a z at the end so if you're searching for it it's r-o-l-l-e-r-z but that's all i got definitely worth mentioning and brett thanks for joining me yeah pleasure as always to everyone listening we hope you enjoyed and we'll talk to you next time talk to you later